All right, man, we are in week three of awareness and we are talking about self-control. And uh, week one, we talked about um, basic awareness of emotions. And in um, the second week, we talk about impulse control. And today we are going to talk about uh, going more depths into self-control and what that really means. So as we dive in here, the first thing I want to do, of course, is to really point out the benefits of self-control. Uh, many of them, of course, are self-evident, but uh, a lot of times we don't really think uh, things through or think uh, thoroughly about the benefits of certain things. So the first one is that you're able to achieve your objectives in a much easier fashion. Okay, self-control equals greater success in your objectives. And so the vision that you have for your life, uh, where you see yourself 5, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever, um, that can only happen with a sense of uh, self-control behind it, right? And so you look at what you want to become in the four areas of your life, family, faith, fitness, and finance. And you say, you know what? I want my family to be at this place. That means I want my uh, my marriage to be here. I want my relationship with my kids to be here. I want my basic household to be uh, at this location. And this, that, and the other thing. And you look at it and you see where you want to be. Well, between where you want to be and where you are now are certain steps to carry that out. And self-control within that process is key to getting where you want to go. Uh, you think about uh, money, for example, in your finances. You have a certain financial goal where you want to be uh, five to ten years down the road. And you ask yourself and you look at self-control and how much is it a, a factor uh, inside of your life. And it is a great factor because if you want to achieve the success, uh, financial success, you're going to have to have the ability to control yourself, right? Now, the first thing in this conversation is the idea that we're not in control. And I need to attack this because many, uh, uh, we have accepted belief systems and dogmas and creeds and all of this different stuff that we're, that we're not in control, that we're out of control and that we need to give up control and all of these different things. So I want to point out the first, the reality is, is that you're never really out of control. Unless, of course, you are, uh, you got a extreme mental illness that 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 comes upon you, and yet actually, um, you're actually not in control. And what we use oftentimes as an excuse is, well, you know, I'm just out of control. And the reality is, is that when you take a look at your life, you see you're very much in control, right? You control when you drink, what type of liquor you drink, what kind of whatever you consumed and, and you controlled the whole process. And so this, this excuse of being out of control is very rarely the case, uh, later on, you know, down the road, we will we will take a peek at the the areas where we're in control and the where in the areas that we are not in control of, and you'll see that it's very limited. And that is when I get up in the morning, I decide what I'm going to do. Do I whoop whoop? Do I wax his head? Get it all nice and neat? Do I brush my teeth? Do I take a shower? Uh, do I make my bed? Do I do all these things? And you see, as right when I wake up, I'm faced with hundreds of decisions. And throughout the day, I'm faced with thousands of decisions. And going throughout this process, I see that I'm very much in control. Now, if I choose to be 
swayed and, and, and influenced in another direction. I cannot use this excuse that I'm out of control because I am giving the proposition to do something. I'm being enticed. There's some things going on inside of my heart and my mind that caused me to sway in that direction. But once again, I am still in control. And that's a real uh, uh, important reality to, to know. So the next benefit is less fear and uncertainty in life. So if you've uh, learned any sort of self-mastery and you begin to change your habits and your routines and they're effective and they're working for you and you, you're feeling an overall increase in all areas of your life, then you're going to have a little bit more certainty, you're going to be a little more certain about certain things. If you have a lot of money uh, in a, a stashed away and saved away because you have have the discipline necessary to prep and, and to do these things, uh, you are going to be uh, far less unconcerned when devastation and disaster hits the world and stuff like that. So you get what I'm saying. Far less fear, far less uncertainty uh, when you have the ability to self-manage and to control yourself. Uh, the third one, of course, is the reason why I started this program is freedom from addictions. Now, we can relinquish control. And that is we can re relinquish control to other people. We could decide to do that. We could decide to relinquish control uh, to a substance, uh, but it's still us making the choice that I am going to uh, be influenced by this substance. I'm going to be influenced by this person. And I'm going to relinquish control. And so it's important to understand that when you look at addiction in its depths and in its entirety, it is us um, relinquishing control of our lives to something else. And our major core problem in addiction is the relinquish of control. We, we relinquish control to other people. We relinquish control to uh, uh, fear in society's uh, morality and demands. We, we relinquish control to our different uh, ideas and mindsets of trying to live up to other people. And we do all this stuff and we don't understand. It's the very concept of relinquishing control. And that it is surrendering. I'm surrendering to another person's will. I'm surrendering to an addiction. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, giving to society's norms and all of this different stuff. So healthy body. Now, this is very highly attached to uh, the addictive mindset because, you know, as you go further in addiction, uh, addiction begins to affect the other areas of your life. There's no way to really build uh, family, faith, fitness and finance uh, while in extreme addictions. Right. Because those uh, the substance, the the abuse, the the habit will begin to consume the other areas of your life. Now, the reality is, is that it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen super quick, right? And so therefore, we don't really uh, see it. We don't understand it. The erosion is a very gradual, little by little. And uh, it starts to erode at our family, faith, fitness, and finance until it brings a course to nothing. And so our body falls in line with that. That self-control will be highly beneficial for our body. If we, can, if we understand that we are in control... And uh, that we are con in control of what goes into this mouth. Now, see, many Christians have this conflict about being in, in control. So, no, I'm not in control. God's in control and all this different stuff. But what we don't understand is that when he created man, he said, let, uh, let him make man in our image and let them have dominion. 
And that very essence is that they're going to have delegated authority. Now, God is still in control, but we have delegated authority. And that means we have authority over the realm of which we are, uh, abide in. That is, I have authority over uh, the things that I watch. I have authority over the things that I hear. I have authority over the things that enter into my body. And I have authority over the words that are coming out of my mouth. And so this delegated authority does not trump God's control. But what it does say is that you are in control of the realms of your life. And that includes what you put inside your body. God is not in control of that. God is not in control of the words that are coming out of your mouth. God is not in control with the things that you listen to. And so we have to make a choice of whether we're going to align ourselves with this wheel or not. Greater mental health. Man, if we have self-control and we're not falling into all these different temptations and we're able to uh, overcome those things, uh, it's going to have a greater impact on our mental health. There's nothing worse to mental health than uh, believing that you are insane. And this is the, the problem I have with certain uh, uh, recovery uh, uh, doctrines that say uh, restore us to sanity and that we have to identify as a person who is insane when in fact we're not. Uh, now, we might make ignorant and stupid choices. We might do something, this, that, and the other thing. But the reality is that those who uh, have formed a pattern of addiction are not even close to any form of insanity. And so it's important to understand that as we begin to develop more self-control, that we begin to develop more power, and we begin to develop more personal, uh, uh, personal pride in a positive way inside of our actions, inside of our behavior. We begin to do things that we respect. You see, the conflict comes when I continually act and behave in a manner that, that is inconsistent with what I believe, right? And all of a sudden there is conflict because I, I believe a certain way and my actions and my behavior are not lining up. But when they do line up, when I do begin to uh, get empowered by God, to begin to have my actions line up with my beliefs, all of a sudden I begin to uh, respect myself. I begin to like myself. I begin to take care of myself. And this all goes to the, the greater mental health. Greater intimacy inside of relationships. Man, if we can't control our mouth, uh, we're going to have very uh, detrimental relationships, right? They're not going to work out too well. If we can't control our sexual drives, then our relationship with our wife is not going to turn out so well, right? Because we, whatever we want, whatever we think, whatever we feel, we just go after chasing uh, whatever impulse and what, uh, whatever desire comes. And so self-control is key to maintaining the, the intimacy and, and real uh, great greatness inside of relationships. The next one is inner grit. Man, we are faced in, in society with uh, uh, multiple different things that are attacking us, uh, that are coming upon the world that, that are legitimately beyond our control, right? And we're facing these things, but when we begin to look at the things that I can control and understand that I can choose my attitude in this situation, I might be tempted to have a bad attitude, a bad frame of mind about everything, but can I look at it and get a lesson from it? That's the key thing. Uh, during this COVID crisis and these and the the, um, the protest and the riots and different stuff, can I glean a message from it, a truth from it, a reality that can be beneficial to my life? And I could tell you, absolutely yes. 
Like during this time of difficulty, there has been a great uh, shift in my mindset, a bigger understanding. I'm asking God, what are you telling me through this? What application uh, needs to happen because of what is taking place? And all these different things cause me to uh, do certain actions and behaviors that are going to be beneficial for me. And so that comes through self-control. Increased sense of fulfillment in life. Now, you would think that you would find fulfillment by doing whatever you want, whatever you think, whatever you feel, right? But as we know, especially uh, uh, us uh, who have been addicted to substance, that it's all emptiness, right? It doesn't matter what you get. It doesn't matter how much you consume. It doesn't matter how much uh, people you sleep with. It doesn't matter how much cocaine you snort. It doesn't matter any of all that because at the end of the day, it's all empty, there's no fulfillment. There's no satisfaction inside of that. But when you come to uh, recovery, and, and especially this kind of recovery where you, you're like, you know what? I'm going to build my family, faith, fitness, and finance. And I'm going to begin to control myself. And I have a vision for each area. And I'm going to begin to pursue that. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, you got fulfillment. And the reason why you have fulfillment is because you have stepped up and done your part. You have identified your desires, what you want in each area of your life, and you decided that you're going to step up and that you are going to do your part in each area of your life. And that's all you can do as a man. The only thing that you could do today, and the only thing that I could do today, is look at the four areas of my life and say, you know what, I'm going to make investments and I'm going to make deposits and I'm going to be the kind of man that follows through. I'm going to be the kind of man that does what he says. And then I'm going to be the kind of man that makes deposits. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be the kind of man that I respect because I did my part. Now, the reality is, is that men, if we don't step up and do our part in each area of our life, then we're not going to experience that sort of fulfillment. We're actually going to feel empty because we didn't step up and do what we knew was right to do. So, are you in control of your life? Now, this is a question that, um, that has some theological applications, but the reality is, is this, is that if God created man in his image and said, go forth, have dominion, be fruitful, and multiply, and that he thoroughly expects um, you to take responsibility, then the reality is, for the most part, instead of some extreme difficult, uh, uh, circumstances, you are the one who's responsible. And since you are the one who is responsible, that indicates that you are the one, you are the one that is making the decisions. And because God created you as a free will agent, those decisions have certain outcomes. And the way to get greater outcomes, better outcomes is to make different decisions. You see, the outcome and the consequence, the fruit, is always attached to the seed sown. And it's it's attached to the decision made. And if you don't like the results that you're getting, you're going to have to plant different seed. And you're going to have to make different choices. Because you are the one who is responsible. And so you are the one who is in control. 
So that being said, I gotta, I, I just gotta throw this out there, and you can chew on it a little bit, and, and and it might take you a year to to really digest what I'm about to say. But God doesn't want control of your life. God wants you to uh, be influenced by Him. He wants you to be swayed by Him. He wants you to uh, um, look at His will and come into alignment with His will and begin to want what He wants and kind of think what He thinks and begin to, you know, manifest this paradigm that He has, right? But as far as control, if God wanted us to uh, be under His control in the sense that I'm talking about here, then he would have attached a remote to us, right? And we would have been a robot. If God was all about control, he never would have created free will agents because that puts them in a place of losing some sort of control. And so he never would have done that. And so the reality is, is that it's much like the parable of the talents, right? Where the master of the house has left and he entrusted the servant his goods. Now the master is still in control of uh, of the process. The master is still in control of his household, but he entrusted his goods to his servant. And it was his servant's responsibility to manifest the results with what he was given. And so when we look at our life, we got to look at it in that fashion. Like God does not want to uh, control us and neither will he throw us to the side and take over uh, Jesus, take the wheel, right? We hear this uh, analogy a lot and this shows how thoroughly it is ingrained inside of uh, Christianity and religiosity that Jesus does not want to take the wheel. Uh, no, There's no relationship that that has control as its core value, right? I don't go to my wife and say, you know what? All I want to do is control you, okay? I want you to do this, 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 and this. And just do it because that's all I'm concerned about is the control of you. Controlling your decisions, controlling your thoughts, controlling everything that's going on with you. Now that we look at that and say, man, that is sick. That is disgusting. What are you talking about, man? Yeah, that that is the view of God that uh, that many people have that somehow, um, you know, he wants us to relinquish control and for him to have control. Well, if that was so, I would just say, God, I relinquish control for the rest of my life. Go ahead. Do whatever you want. And he just go, you know, I'll go around like a, you know, a little control, little puppeteer on the string. And we have this view of God as that puppeteer that uh, uh, he's up there pulling the strings and all of this stuff. And we're just and we're just moving along with, with the movements. And we got to get out of that mindset because we he is a great king, right? He's a great king, creating universes, right? And he has decided to have a relationship with us. And that relationship can't be based upon fear. It has to be based upon love. And that he in no way wants to puppeteer us around and us to be a puppet on his string. So you are in control of your life. There's certain core belief systems that, that when taken to the extreme will get you all kinds of results, right? And this is one of them. I am in control and that I have been empowered by God and I have been given certain uh, things that are kept inside of my hands and inside of my trust. And I am to uh, be responsible over those things and be empowered by him 
to uh, begin to get results. So one, one paradigm and belief system says, you know what, I need to participate with God and to begin to um, yield and begin to create awesome things. And the other paradigm says, uh, I'm just going to relinquish control over everything and God's going to do it all. And you look at those two realities and you ask and look at if they, you were to follow both of these men's lives. This man, says, this man says, you know what, I'm not going to do nothing. I'm going, to, uh, uh, God has to do everything. And then this man says, you know what, God has entrusted me and he has empowered me to do certain things. And I'm going to walk in that power, in that authority, and I'm going to begin to make right choices. And you look at the two lives at the end of days and this one here that put all the responsibility on God is going to be uh, a lot of sadness, a lot of regret, a lot of, you know, what if. They waited on God to do it when God was waiting on us. And it's important that we understand that, that, that reality. So Proverbs uh, 16.32 says this, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules over his spirit, uh, than he who takes his city. So in, in Proverbs here, he said that man was supposed to have rule over his spirit. And this, this idea of rule is the exact same thing that was said in Genesis, and that is to exercise authority, that is to be in control, and that is to have dominion. And you look at the chaos that the world is in, and it is in that chaos because man is in authority, right? Man has exercised his control uh, over different things, and man has exercised his dominion. And so we look at the world and say, God, why are you doing this? When God looks at the world and said, man, why are you doing this? And it's just getting a, a right perspective of what uh, biblical truth of what is actual reality. And so man he who rules over his spirit. And that is a territory on which you have dominion. You see, your mindset, your heart, your belief system, the things that you see, everything that is related to you is handed over to you and is under your realm. And you are to exercise authority and to stand in that. It's much like a governor. A governor is one who exercises authority over a certain group and uh, or a certain area. And you have to look at your life in that manner. That I am the one who has given uh, responsibility and I'm going to exercise my dominion inside of my sphere of influence and control. And I'm going to step up and rise up and do that. As you look around, if you're sitting in your chair uh, uh, at home, uh, look around. That's your domain. Whether it's clean or dirty, it's on you. And that's the same way it comes with our heart and our mind. Look around. Whether it's clean or dirty, it's up to you. And it's based upon the personal responsibility and the choices that you make. And that is a powerful reality. First Corinthians 9.25. This is an awesome, awesome verse. Every man that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a, a corruptible crown, 
but we and incorruptible. So I want to break this down for you. It's an old King James English. I, I, I prefer that when studying just because I can look up the Greek words uh, very easily. But every man that strives for mastery, that is strives for mastery, is a, a idea of contending. Uh, first, it has the idea of struggle. And that is, I'm going to give forth the effort in face of my opposition. I'm going to face these difficulties and I am going to contend. It probably has the idea of the Roman uh, gladiator games, right, where they where they contend with another uh, opponent and they enter the contest, of course, to win. And so this this talks about giving forth effort um, uh, in the face of opposition, in the face of difficulties that I'm going to endeavor to do something. That means I'm going to exert my will. Anybody who wants to be great, has to be temperate in all things. So I, I uh, interviewed a football player um, not too a while back, and I was talking about the discipline necessary to um, be elite. Now, we don't understand um, what it takes to win. We don't under fully understand what it takes to be elite. Now, whatever our craft is, uh, you're you're watching my craft right now in, in motion, but I have to ask myself what what kind of investment am I going to give in myself? What time a time is it going to take? What kind of effort must I give out to be elite at my craft? What kind of effort do you have to give to be elite at you? And you can look at my life, and there's certain <laughs> areas that are definitely not elite, right? And it's because I am not striving for mastery in that area and that I haven't decided to be temperate in all things. So temperate in all things is this, that I'm going to show some self-restraint because I'm contending, right? Just like the football player, he says, you know what, man, he told about all the discipline and how many throws and just everything. It was crazy, man. He gave himself completely over to the training and everything that it took to be successful. He was temperate in all things. And so we look at the areas of our life and we say, you know what, I could be elite and I could be great without being temperate in all things. And that is this idea of self-control. That is control over your, your uh, emotional intelligence, control over your, your thoughts uh, in general, if they don't line up to the will of God, that we have the ability to, to change and to course correct. Uh, but it also means a, a, a purity in conduct, right? Like even as a football player, you can't go around doing drugs the night before and having sex with a bunch of women and think you're going to play good the next day right? Temperate in all things. So 1 Corinthians uh, 9.26, that's the next verse. I therefore run not as uncertainty, not as uncertainty. And so I fight not as one who beats the air. So when he's talking about striving for mastery and doing uh, and engaging in a contest, uh, he talks about running first, that he, uh, uh, running against another person in a race. What kind of temperance must you have to win? Right. What kind of self-control do you need to have to win? A lot. Right. And then he goes into fighting. You know, I'm not fighting as one who beats the air. And that is, you know what? I'm not uh, purposeless in my mission. 
I know what's going on. I know what I, I know what God wants. I know what that I'm aligning myself with his will and there's purpose and there is intention, everything. And I'm not shadow boxing, right? I'm not pretending to box a fake opponent. I got a real opponent and I got real mission and I got real goals. And so that is just an awesome, awesome reality. So running is that course. And this is the course that we're all on. And the, the advice of Paul here is to strive for mastery. Strive for mastery. He doesn't say strive to relinquish control. He doesn't say strive to just sit there and do nothing. He doesn't even say strive to, to wait on God because it sounds so holy and pious, right? No, he says to strive for mastery. Run. Don't fight like one who beats the air. Fight with purpose and intention. And then he goes into uh, verse uh, 27 here. But I keep my body and I bring it into subjection. At least by any means when I preach to others, I should become a castaway. And so it's this whole sports analogy of what they do to keep their body and bring it into subjection. And once again, this, this Paul is talking about self-mastery here. He's talking about uh, his personal responsibility. And he's saying, I keep my body. And I bring it into subjection. And that is that he felt personal responsibility to subdue his passions. And that is if desires came uh, cropping up inside of his heart, it was his personal responsibility to subdue those passions. And it comes with awareness and saying, you know what? I'm desiring things that are not beneficial for me and that I'm going to recognize that I have these desires and that I'm going to begin to do something else. I'm going to begin to look at my greater desires. And that is, what do I, what do I really want? What do I really want to be known for at the end of days? What do I want to be said of me at my funeral? What do I want God to say to me when he sees me? Well done, my good and faithful servant, right? And it's thinking about this more bigger picture. Because when we're in the temptation, it's just, instead of seeing this like this, we see like this. And it's straight ahead and it's looking at it and, and we're being enticed and, and it sounds like a good idea. But when we look at the bigger picture of who we want to become, what, what we want our family, faith, fitness, and finance to look like, and those things, like I said, what we want to be said at our funeral. Thinking about this bigger picture, your big why. And understanding that it is your personal responsibility to subdue those passions. And it's funny, as you look up this word, it literally means to annoy into compliance. <laughs> that means that you have a, um, uh, this inner dialogue going on that is contrary to what you really, really, really want. <clears throat> we think we want it, right? It's very short-term and it's very fleeting pleasures, but it literally means to ignore, uh, annoy into compliance and to disable an antagonist. So think of it this way, that you have an antagonist that is coming against you to antagonize you, uh, to get you to uh, sway, to get you to go off the road, right? And what this literally means is to disable an antagonist. And that is that every everything that comes against you, uh, 
You hold on to your why. You hold on to your priorities. You hold on to what's important to you. And you disable the antagonist and you annoy it into compliance. And that is stubborn refusal. You know what? I refuse to give in to these thoughts. I refuse to uh, allow myself to be swayed by the communication that is going on in my brain. I refuse. And he literally talked about beating himself into subjection. Now, this is no uh, uh, pansy sort of mindset. Oh, if God wills, it, it will happen. You know, Lord willing and the creek don't rise. And we have all this uh, uh, humble, pious words that don't mean nothing, right? But Paul said he beats his body and brings it into subjection. And that is, you know what? I'm going to decide what this body does. And I have core values and I have belief systems. And this body is going to line up with those core values and those belief systems. And I'm going to beat myself into subjection. And this has the idea of being a slave driver, right? And that is you are the master and that your body needs to be under, under your realm and under your influence. Because you are the one who has submitted to God. You has you are the one that has the spirit of God living on the inside of you. Last thing I'm going to talk about this. James 1.13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Now we have this uh, reality or this mindset belief system that God is going around tempting people. And it's crazy how much we uh, attribute Satan's works to God. It's crazy. Uh, some, you know, if you pick apart some people's mindset and belief systems about God, it aligns more with uh, Satan than it does with God, right? And it, it's crazy, craziness. Modern day religion and religiosity is not the true God. It is the counterfeit. And he's very mean. Uh, he's very impatient. He's very frustrated all the time. And uh, he's angry and he, and, he, and he wants to consume people with his wrath. And he's much like an abusive parent. But we have God who, who this is the reality. He cannot be tempted with evil. Neither does he tempt anyone. And so this, this might be hard to swallow. And once again, some of these things might take really uh, years to really sink down into the depths. But God is not the source of our problem. <coughs> he is not the one <coughs> tempting us. He is not the one who is testing us. Now, many people say, you know what? God's trying to see what's in your heart. Mm, I think he's big and bad enough and all-knowing enough that he knows what's in there. Right. <laughs> but if anything, if God allowed anything to come into our life, and which I do believe he does allow it, it's for us to know what's inside of our heart, because we're the ones who are clueless, not him. Right. And so every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. So you want to know why and how men are tempted and the reality of it? It's because we are drawn away by our own lust. We are enticed. But the first thing I want you to see in here is that every man is tempted. Now, it doesn't leave an, uh, an exclusion. It doesn't uh, leave a way out for anybody. That is me. That is you. Everybody inside of our group, every man 
every woman, everybody, every man is tempted. And then it goes into how and why. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. And that is a strong desire, a strong and powerful desire within him. And then after that desire comes, he's enticed by that desire. This is why, and this is how every man is tempted. And so you are tempted. I want you to think about your last temptation and the things that came against you. What was it? The, what desire began to rise up in you? What was so enticing about it? And why did you give in if you did? And begin to examine that process because it's the only way out of this process. And that's begin to recognize, you know what? I'm being drawn away by my own desires right now. And I am being enticed by them. But it's all an illusion. And that is, it looks nice. It looks fun. It looks okay. It looks all of these things. But the reality is, is that it's going to bring pain. It's going to bring more suffering. It's going to bring more sorrow into my life. So man is dragged away by his own desires and his own lusts that begin to rise up within him. And he begins to go into the self-deception. Like this is a good idea right now. It's kind of like romanticizing the drink, right? This is a good idea right now. Remembering the good old days, right? Of how uh, lovely this was and this, that, and the other thing. How fun it was to cheat and this, that. And begin to romanticize and begin to think of how, how great and wonderful it is. And it begins to stir up emotions and desires inside of us. And, and, and we're, we're starting on this road to self-deception where we are deluding ourselves. And we are tricking ourselves and we are allowing this to take place by not identifying the lies and rising up in our authority and, be and begin to declare what we really want. And for us to be able to do that, it must be established. And I recommend getting out a journal and begin to establish what you really want. So in enticing moments, when you're feeling the allurement, the attraction, the, 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 the tendency towards self-deception where, you are, where are, you are literally duping yourself, you are beguiling your own self uh, through entertaining these thoughts and, and uh, you're going to begin to make a choice that is not uh, beneficial to you in the long run. So I hope uh, this week you get a clear awareness of self-control and the reality of it. And also get the awareness of temptation and how the process works. And most of all, get awareness of the authority that you possess and that you have to rise up in your authority and begin to say no. And once you begin to say no and you begin to go uh, uh, go on the path, then the desires fall away. The enticingness begins to decrease and you begin to become the kind of man that you admire and that you respect. <laughs>